Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. We're happy to have Ron Kangas with us on the program again today. Ron, it's nice to have you back. Thanks for having me. Today is the second message from the first part of Genesis 6 and a very deep interpretation of the events of that time. This is a deep section, isn't it? Much deeper than we may realize from a casual reading. Today we're going to hear about Nephilim and illegal marriage between fallen angels and the daughters of men, and also a reference to a book that we've quoted from previously in our life study uh, by a man named G.H. Pember. I think that all of these items need some review and background before we move ahead. These items are related to the fundamental and somewhat mysterious cause of man's third fall. The third fall was not simply a matter of man becoming flesh and living a violent life full of lusts. Behind the scene was the activity of beings called the sons of God. And according to our careful study of the scriptures, uh, according to Brother Watchman Nee's teaching, who relied a certain extent on the writings of G.H. Pember, the sons of God in Genesis 6 are not godly people, but angels who, in league with Satan, rebelled and left their appointed sphere to engage in improper, indecent, abnormal marital relationship with human females. Somehow, these beings took human bodies, entered into union with human females, and produced a polluted race of beings called the Nephilim. That word means the fallen ones. They were giants, they were men of renown, but they were pollutions and perversions of the humanity created by God for his purpose. That's the essential background of the portion we will be considering today. Thank you for that background, Ron. Let's join Witness Lee with today's life study from Genesis. If we study Genesis carefully, we could realize the intention of the Holy Spirit is to show us how man was degrading all the time. Not just one step of fall, but step after step. According to Jude 6 and 7, after a certain time, there were some angels fallen to such an extent. Right? Did some kind of a fornication that caused God's judgment to come in. Now we have to check. 
when and where this happened. You trace according to the record. You have to apply this to Genesis chapter 6. This causing a mixture of the human race with the fallen spirit and producing Nephilim. I believe many of you do have the American Standard Version put out 1901. I always like to tell people that is the best translation. This version, this ASV, American Standard Version, also rendered this way. Not the giant, but the Nephilim. Both in Genesis chapter 6 and in Numbers 13. Nephilim, the scholars of the Greek and the lexicons do tell us this word means the fallen ones. Pember says probably this refers to the fallen angels. But the Nephilims were not purely angels. They were the descendants of the mixture of the fallen angels with the daughters of men. So what? So they were the products of human race, human blood, plus something of the spirit. I don't believe in mythology. You know mythology. I don't believe in legend. But we all have to admit there should be some ground. If there was absolutely no ground, how could the mythology came into being? You know, according to the ancient history of those old races, like Babylonian, Egyptian, Greek, and Chinese, I don't know much about Greek. I don't know anything about Egyptian. I don't know anything about Babylonian. But sorry to say, I got to know a lot about Chinese. <laughs> In the Chinese writings, a lot of legends that tell us certain great men was not only born of their parents, but of their parents, plus some stars that came down from the heavens. And I do believe you should have read something like this also. This is so-called legend and so-called mythology. We shouldn't believe absolutely whatever is mentioned there in mythology and legend, yet we have to admit there should be some kind of fact in the human history as a ground that created such kind of legend or mythology. And those kind of uh, seeing in the so-called legend or mythology really corresponds with the record of the Bible. Because all those mythology talking about the love of God, plural, God, D-O-D-S, the love of God. God fell in love with human females. I read this kind of thing. I believe you read too. Not only so, all those mythology and religion told us the same thing that is all the descendants of the God who fell in love with human females brought forth the capable people. It corresponds with the point here. They became the great men, men of renown.
Ron, we have a lot to cover in this first portion, but I want to ask you about Witness Lee's comments regarding the relationship between Nephilim and mythology. Uh, Basically, the comments run along the line of referring to mythology as providing a secondary testimony that the Nephilim in Genesis 6 and elsewhere were giants, were abnormal beings. We do not need the evidence of mythology in order to support our understanding of the scriptures. We're simply saying it's somewhat instructive. It's instructive in the sense that it is highly likely there was some historic base for the myths, especially for the stories of gods falling in love with human females and producing a race of giants. So at the core, historically, of certain myths, there may be an echo of what is recorded factually and accurately in the scriptures, that angels, of course not gods, but angels, entered into union with human females to produce giants. So this is the significance of making a reference here to mythology, that even in pagan mythology, there is an echo of this drastic and catastrophic and most disgusting and repulsive event under the rebellion of Satan and according to his strategy to ruin humankind. Ron, this is a life study, and we've pointed out many times that our emphasis in every message is life. But occasionally, to be faithful to the Word and the divine revelation, we do have to deal with some of these more difficult and certainly more negative items. And I think we have one before us today. We do need to see Satan's strategy, Satan's plan to ruin God's economy by corrupting humankind. We don't focus on this, but we want to give the same emphasis to it that the Scripture does and to echo the testimony of Scripture so that while the divine revelation with the glory of God in Christ is unveiled, Satan, God's enemy, and his stratagems are exposed. Thank you, Ron. Let's return to Witness Lee. Now you can understand why God sent the flood to rid of that generation because the blood of that generation became impure. Now you understand why God burned out all the cities like Sodom and Gomorrah because the blood there became all impure. Now you understand how God slaughtered the whole people on the land of Canaan because among them full of Nephilim. The rage, the blood, is, was no more impure. God couldn't tolerate with that, and God couldn't keep that for the fulfilling of his purpose. Now, we all must learn one lesson. To commit fornication is a serious thing. In the whole Bible, not only in the Old Testament, even the New Testament, especially with the Lord Jesus. 
fornication is a serious thing. You read the epistle, you can see the apostles were so strict. No fornication is tolerated in the church life. Why? You know why? If you read the Bible, you can see fornication always brings in the demons. Where fornication is, there is the worship of idols. The idol worship encourages people to commit fornication. If you read even Exodus, you can see. And Numbers, you can see. When the people of Israel worshipped the idols, they committed what? Fornication. The fornication always brings people into a kind of contact of the demons. Why, you know? Because the demons, the fallen spirits, they are hunting for human body. Because you were a human being created with a proper intellect, with a proper reason. You would not allow this kind of evil thing to come in. But you know, when the people became addicted to fornication, they would not care for the intellect. They would lose their reason. So that opened the door for the evil spirit and the demons to come in to take full possession of them. Well, Ron, this is a very sobering word to us, especially given the age that we are living in and the moral climate that surrounds us and particularly our young people. We hear a lot on Christian radio and television about the evil of fornication and immorality, but this is a new view to many, to see the source. Would you comment about the connection between idolatry, evil spirits, demons, and fornication? Before I do and I hope the comment on this unpleasant subject will be brief, let me point out that behind all of this is Satan's plot to ruin mankind, to corrupt human beings to such an extent that they are useless to God for the carrying out of his purpose. One of the ways he does this is to lure human beings into immorality, into fornication, Unfortunately, acts of immorality such as this may not stand alone. By this I mean other evil things may be involved. For instance, idolatry. The scriptures, for example, Revelation 2, connect fornication with idolatry. A similar word is in Acts 15 and in Numbers, which speaks of the failure of the children of Israel when they worshipped foreign gods and committed fornication. So these things go hand in hand. Behind the idols often are demons. So those who worship idols uh, open themselves knowingly or unknowingly to demons, the evil spirits. What often happens is that when someone gives himself over to the lusts of the flesh, not caring for the consequences... He sacrifices not only his conscience, but even his reason, his rationality, is no longer sober, is no longer considerate. And this lack of the proper exercise of the God-created intellect can open one to be infiltrated 
if not actually possessed by evil spirits. We need to face the fact that we have a cruel and vicious and unprincipled enemy who is determined to do whatever he can to corrupt human beings and to lure them to worship something in place of God. I think, though, of an encouraging word that Paul told the Corinthians. He said, Such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified. So even though the picture is so bleak, God's gospel and the riches of God's mercy and grace are so great that even such sinners can be gloriously saved and brought into the fulfillment of God's economy. Thank you, Ron. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. If you read the Bible, you could see by that time of the third fall, man became flesh. Because man became, in this kind of situation, that opened the door for the angels, the followers, to come in, to do something. Now you can see, up to this point, man not only had the devil in his evil nature, but also some of the men had got the fallen angels to possess them and use their body to do the illegal marriage, to produce a mixture thing. This became the most evil in the eyes of God. The most evil thing in the eyes of God. So God could not tolerate. This was the first cause of the third fall. Now, let us see the second cause. Man became flesh. The flesh is fully, certainly, absolutely hated by God. God would never tolerate with flesh. God, in a sense, may tolerate with your mistakes, with your transgressions. But I tell you, anything that is out of your flesh, that insults God. That really insults God. God would never tolerate with any flesh. At the time of the third fall, the whole human race became flesh. So God came in to tell his servant, no, that he would wipe out the whole human generation. What was the issue? Number one, the withdrawing of the Holy Spirit. God said, my spirit will not strive with men forever. I tell you, this word was a gracious word. And this word proved that before this time, God's Spirit was all the time working and striving with man. And this was the second time that the book Genesis mentions of the Spirit. The first time in chapter 1, when God was creating, His Spirit was hovering over the death situation to bring things of life into being. Now, the second time, it says, God's Spirit would not strive anymore. 
And this proves before this time, God's Spirit was striving there, was working, striving. God was gracious. Don't think that Abel could be that good by himself. Impossible. And I do believe all the dear saints recorded in chapter 5 of Genesis were helped by the Spirit of God. Do you think Enoch could make up to walk with God by himself? I don't believe. Surely I don't believe. Enoch was helped, strengthened, moved to walk with God because the Spirit of God was moving there, was striving with man's rebellion. But now it came to a point that the Spirit of God would never strive any longer. You know, the Lord Jesus likened the present age to that of third fall. He said, before the flood came, man by that time knew nothing but eating, drinking, abusing Mary, marrying and giving to Mary. The fallen man at the time of the third fall abused the matter of marriage. Look at today's situation. They don't care for the coming judgment. But we are assured by the Bible the earth is still his and one day he will come to intervene. Then what shall we do? We all have to go to Noah in the next message. We heard Witness Lee conclude by referring us to the coming messages dealing with Noah. Would you connect what we've been seeing with the way that God dealt with Noah? The connection I would like to make briefly is that once we have the exposure of this deplorable situation, you have a wonderful statement beginning with, but, but Noah found grace. It reminds me of the word of Paul in Ephesians 2 when he describes the fallen situation. And then he says, But God, who is rich in mercy. If we will receive his revelation in the scriptures, if we will give ourselves to call on him, to walk with him, to be one with him, then we may enter into and participate in God's Full salvation. This full salvation is not only from eternal perdition. We need God's salvation as salvation from the crooked and perverted generation in which we are living. Surely Noah was saved from God's judgment, from the judging waters. But he was also saved from that evil generation which was judged by those waters. So here we would sound out an appeal and urge our listeners to attend to the coming messages which show how, according to the scriptures, we need to be saved not only from perdition, but saved from this generation, so that our life on the earth in the midst of this generation may be a testimony and may be a contribution to the carrying out of God's eternal economy. 
Thank you, Ron, for your very, very helpful fellowship on this passage in Genesis. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one, and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.